Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Angrelon, and joining me as always is Aaron Johnson, Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, how are we doing on this uh, trade deadline day? Oh, a- Aaron, Aaron, Mike, happy Jeremy Grant bobblehead night to you. <laughs> what a happy coincidence that is. <laughs> well, yeah, were happy. able to run that promotion after <laughs> yeah. three o'clock pass. They were, they were very confident to send out that tweet after that three o'clock deadline. So I... I am like living. I wish I could see into the alternate universe where Jeremy Grant did get traded and they still went ahead with the Jeremy Grant bobblehead night. Or what would they have done with all those bobbleheads? <laughs> they give them out to like, you know, people in like Africa, like they do with Super Bowl loser yes, t-shirts or something exactly like it. that. That's exactly <laughs> it. Some kid in Kenya running around with his prized Jeremy Grant bobblehead. <laughs> Yeah, and he has his uh, either a Bengals or a Rams Super Bowl victory shirt that's going to be coming in the mail in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Well, uh, luckily, so happy, happy coincidence. He'll never have to have a Detroit Lions one because uh, they'd have to make it there first. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we find some way to throw a little bit of Lions shade into this podcast every week. And I'm glad that we got that out of the way in the like two minute mark of this pod. Guys, I want to start off with our, um, one of our lovely sponsors just to get this uh, moving and get us on track. Our first sponsor as, as always is bet online and bet online is back better than ever with a new web interface for the Super Bowl basketball season with more props, odds and lines than ever before the Super Bowl. I can't believe it's already Sunday, Bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today. Get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code BLEAV50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0 on your first deposit. Get 50% welcome bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. And again, that 50% welcome bonus code is believe 50 B L E A V five zero bet online where the game starts. Going to be interesting to see how the lines uh, end up shaking out with all the trades that happened earlier today. I mean, obviously you deal like the teams that'll mainly be affected are Philadelphia and Brooklyn. And I know we're going to talk about that trade a little later, but I think that's definitely uh, um, you know, betting related something that I'm interested in seeing. I don't know how soon we get those numbers, Maybe yeah, tomorrow. The, the problem is, is that occasionally you'll have the Portland Trailblazers who rolled out at least four players I didn't know and then beat the Lakers, 
with LeBron and Anthony Davis. So really, <laughs> it's just a total crapshoot at this point. It really is. It really is. But I'm excited to get into all of this trade talk and the non the trades that didn't happen talk. So uh, yeah, I think without further ado, I think we'll, we well, let's start ready. Let's to go. start with the big blockbuster of the day. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Certainly not something we talked about months and months ago. Blockbuster as part of a 14 trade kicked off the trade deadline day. And it started off with the Pistons, a 14 trade. The Pistons acquired Marvin Bagley, the third for Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles, and two second round picks. The whole 14 trade does have some implications for the Eastern Conference. Dante DiVincenzo goes from the Bucks to the Kings. The Kings also picked up Lyles and Jackson in that move. The Bucks get Serge Ibaka, two future second round picks. The Clippers add wings like it's their job with Robbie Hood and Semi Ojale. And the Pistons, of course, get Marvin Bagley third. I think Woj put Junior in there, but it is Marvin Bagley the third. His father's a junior, and he's the one that's vocal on Twitter saying his son needs to get the heck out of Sacramento. So that kicked off the deadline day. Um, this is a move that was really premeditated for months. We talked about it before. Um, it took until the deadline day to get it done, but the Pistons have a buy low uh, sort of player in Marvin Bagley. Maybe, unfortunately, maybe remembered most for going ahead of Trey Young and Luka Doncic, uh, but a nice opportunity to restart his career after the really toxic uh, tenure with the Sacramento Kings. Jasper, I'm going to go to you first uh, mm. for this move. Do you have any – well, I mean, we kind of already had initial thoughts like like boiling for like two months, um, but uh, seeing this as part of the 14 trade, the Pistons do send out a couple other players and picks – uh, what are your, what were your early returns on that move? Well, I mean, this has been something that we have been talking about for months since I, I believe, I mean, maybe even before uh, Hamadou Diallo um, got benched in that game against the Kings, uh, if you'll remember. And it's interesting because this is essentially the trade package we all thought they were going to throw together for Marvin Bagley. Um, I, Maybe there was a chance it was going to be somebody like Corey Joseph instead of Trey Lyles, but it seemed pretty clear that this was something that both the Pistons and the Kings had interest in for months. I think it's exactly the type of move they need to be making. Um, for the Kings, it makes sense. Trey Lyles right now, as of this season, has played better than Marvin Bag. That's, I think, pretty undeniable. Um it also makes sense for them to, you know, get a couple second rounders, move those around. That's fine. You, we know Troy Weaver doesn't care about those. He throws second round picks around like, I don't know, like James Harden in a strip club uh, throws dollar bills, which he'll be doing in, uh, in Philadelphia now. But yeah, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for, for Detroit to do this. Um, they need high upside guys. This is exactly Troy Weaver's M.O., he likes to get rid of, you know, his undervalued veteran players for undervalued young players. And if they can convince Marvin Bagley to be an inside out kind of player, unlike Trey Lyles, who is more of an outside in type of player um, and have him run the pick and roll with Killian Hayes and Kate Cunningham. I think that there's a lot of potential here for, for this to be a pairing that works. Bagley is a really good offensive rebounder. And I think that when you have him, and Isaiah Stewart both there, you can switch up those minutes without losing much on the glass, um, which was an issue with Lyles. And 
I think at the same time, you also have a different look offensively to somebody like Isaiah Stewart. Um, so I think this is a, a good trade, and I don't see a whole lot of downside to it, which is exactly what the Pistons need to be doing right now. Yeah, I mean, as you said, this is you know the prototypical Troy Weaver move that we've seen him make throughout his tenure. Josh Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, just a couple of those names that come to mind, those guys that you know uh, maybe hadn't fully panned out in the league yet, but had shown some potential, and a guy like Jackson who was a you know a former top pick in the draft. Bagley falls under that same kind of situation so um you know i think it was a really smart trade by detroit again you didn't really give up much i know some people were flustered over a pair of second round picks but you know, the second round picks just don't really matter you, those are a dime a dozen you can get them for pennies on the dollar you can get them for cash i mean you can go into a draft and acquire a second round pick for cash if you really want to uh, on draft night so uh, i didn't really think those mattered um you know, Marvin Bagley's a guy that has upside. I know it's not fully, you know, found yet. I know he's had his struggles in Sacramento, but I think you also have to look at it's it's not fair to fully just judge a player if they spent all their career in Sacramento so far. Like Sacramento <laughs> does not deserve any of any benefit of the doubt in this situation. They don't have a good record of developing players and putting players in positions to succeed. So, you know, I think. I think that in itself matters. And I don't know if Bagley is necessarily going to turn out to be a, a good player or rotation player down the line, but the potential is there. And you know, he doesn't shoot the three ball very well. He is trying and, you know, he has shown a willingness to shoot the ball. Um, so it's a development that hopefully continues to progress. He's probably, and this is something that's probably pretty unfortunate for the Pistons, but he's probably better off as a four rather than a five, uh, especially on the defensive side of the floor. Um, but there's still a reason to go out and, and make a trade for him and, you know, salute to Trey Lyles, who, uh, as last Jackson pointed out on uh, Twitter uh, was this year's, you know, Dalon, right. Play yourself uh, up in value to where you can get traded for, you know, a, a young up young player with potential. Uh, I was, you know, I think the, was Dalon right part of the Dennis Smith Jr. trade or maybe he was part no, of a different trade. He was part of the Corey Joseph trade. How how soon we forget, Aaron? Oh, that's right. With that was with Sacramento too. Actually. With Sacramento, absolutely. And you know what? Here's another little small uh facts little tidbit. You know, Marvin Bagley was the second overall pick. His grandfather, Jumpin' Joe Caldwell, was also the second overall pick for guess who back in 1964? The Detroit Pistons. So it all, all comes all comes full circle in a way. Yeah, I, I, I guess it does. But I guess just to wrap it up, um, I definitely like the move. They didn't give up anything that really matters uh, in a vacuum for this team moving forward. And you've got plenty of time, you know, throughout the rest of the season uh, to work with Marvin Bagley, see what he can do. Um, he does have some stuff in his contract where if he starts 41 games or plays 2,000 minutes, he is eligible for a higher paid a contract when he becomes eligible for an extension um, later this season, but that shouldn't be a problem for Detroit. He's only started 17 games this season. He'd um, have to play literally every game for the rest of the year, right? Right. He's only played 656 minutes. Yeah. Um, so he would have to play yeah, like, like every minute possible. Uh, and that's just not going to happen. So, uh, you know, I think that was something that was probably kept uh, in mind, both as Sacramento decided whether or not to play him throughout the year, because 
that was going to play a factor in this trade. Um, you know, having to, when you wanted to, if you wanted to re-sign Bagley down the line, you know, that money would have been much more significant uh, had he met those, those thresholds, the minutes threshold or the start started games threshold. So um, I guess that also worked out for Detroit in that aspect as well. But overall, I do like this move for the Pistons. I feel like they got a good prospect to take a swing on the number two overall pick. Uh, obviously, like you mentioned, he's going to be remembered for being that guy that went ahead of Luka Doncic and Trey Young. But uh, who knows? You know, there's still plenty of time for him to turn his career around. He's just 22 years old. He's only played 148 NBA games. And I do think there is something there. And the Pistons needed more more depth in the front court, a, a little bit more athleticism, which is something that he brings. And I'm I'm interested to see how he plays over, you know, the next the rest of the season, you know, with the all-star break coming up and then really after that. And I'll, and I'll say this as well, Aaron, the, the last kind of thing is I'm assuming he's going to come off the bench alongside Kelly Olenek. And like you said, uh, I do believe that his best defensive position, he's not a very good defender, but I do believe his best defensive position is going to be at the power forward, which for me actually is a positive because you can then put Olenek at center um, where you had Trey Lyles playing defensively uh, the, the last few weeks. So I, I think in some ways this actually helps them out in terms of defensive versatility. You add more athleticism to that uh, front court as well on defense. And offensively, I think also now it allows you to play Olenek outside a little bit more, take advantage of his three-point shooting um, when you're trying to spread the floor. And hopefully, like I said, they will have Marvin Bagley playing inside out versus outside in because he hasn't been a very good three-point shooter what you want him to be doing is going towards the basket with whoever, you know, your point guard is and pick and roll. Um, you don't want him doing the Trey Lyles thing and standing on the perimeter, pump faking, and then driving to the basket. That's, that's the opposite of what you want from him. So it's also going to be interesting to see how Dwayne Casey utilizes Marvin Bagley, because that's going to be, in my opinion, crucial to whether this is a success or a failure coming into the last few months of this NBA season. Guys, that's good stuff. I agree. He's probably more of a four than a five. Well, he definitely is. Um, he is noticeably having a worse season this year with Sacramento. But Aaron, like you said, when I look at his numbers, I don't know how much you could actually take <laughs> as like what you're going to be getting with the Pistons because it has just been such an up and down environment for Marvin Bagley that I don't know exactly what you can take from any of those things. Cause there was turmoil constantly happening, whether it was change in coach or it was the personnel or it was the front office constantly being a, uh, you know, a revolving door of people um, coming in. So it's difficult to take the numbers and, you know, um, glean anything as what you're going to be getting with, Detroit. I mean, he's going to be playing with a, a good point guard. Um, if he's playing with the second unit, he's still going to have a good playmaking point guard with them. Uh, so it's really a matter of, you know, how they bring him in slowly. He, he does have a good skill set that I think would be nice to have at 6'11, be nice to have, a, you know, a rim runner. And, and he does have some athleticism, you know, as well. He doesn't turn the ball over a tremendous amount. Um, it'll just be nice to have another young guy that the Pistons can look at. Uh, you know, and really think uh, who, or rather think about what they 
could use moving into next year and beyond. And I did read that they are looking to extend him. And you had mentioned the minutes um, and games played clause. Certainly the Pistons will keep it in the under. So his qualifying offer is lower, um, but they do appear to be ready to, um, you know, extend him at a, you know, a, a reasonable amount. So this was a move that was more, in the works for a while. I, I agree the two second round picks or whatever. I, I, I don't understand the people who glorify the um, the draft picks. We don't know what those draft picks are going to be. Um, so saying that it was too much to give up is, you know, to me, inaccurate. Um, Josh Jackson was already on the outs. It seemed he was the odd man out. Um, we noted that in our season preview. Um, and then Trey Lyles, we all sort of questioned. Uh, he is the opposite. Uh, you know, of a typical big, like Jasper, you said, he works outside in um, being a, a, you know, a stretchy four. So those, those players seem like they were ripe to be moved anyway. Um, the two picks are kind of tough, but it is what it is. Um, I think the Kings really made out well in this trade overall. I think getting Dante DiVincenzo is a really nice move. Um, oh, they did keeps great. the playoff push. I'm sorry. They, they they did great. Dante Divincenzo's a, they did a do huge great. a huge piece for them, and they gave away nothing. Like Marshall yeah. Bagley doesn't play for them. <laughs> they right. they did great. Um, and I yeah, think people are gonna look. I think people are gonna look back at the Sabonis trade at the end of the season, and even going into next year. And I think that that trade is actually gonna age very well for them uh, if they can add some shooters and guys like Dante Divincenzo. Uh, they're gonna. I really do think. Yes, Tyrese Halliburton's a talented player, but the Kings did well. They got the best player in that trade. Like, they did. Sabonis yeah. is the best player oh, yeah. right now. Definitely. I, wanted, I wanted to talk about that. I don't know if we were going to get into that trade later, but I did want to say real quick about that, that the reaction on Twitter uh, to, to the Tyrese Halliburton, Demonis Sabonis trade uh, was absolutely, uh, for lack of a better word, awful. I wanted to use a little bit of a stronger word, but people treated that trade as if, Tyrese Halliburton is the future MVP and Sabonis is a washed up, you know, old, not good player. Like Sabonis is in his prime. He puts up double doubles. Like it's nothing. He's a triple double threat. He can score from inside and out. He's a great rebounder. He's a great passing big. It was just incredibly horrible how people reacted to that trade. I mean, I get it. If you like Tyrese Halliburton, I like him too. He's a really nice young piece, but let's not act like Sabonis is, is on scrub. He's a very, very good player. And Sacramento is going to really benefit from having him. Like Aaron, I just thought people, that was awful. People act like 2012 and five guys like grow on trees or something. Like Sabonis is so good. And I saw, you know, was one thing I saw yesterday on Twitter, somebody said he's a ball stopping big. Ball oh stopping God. big, post big. And I'm like, dude, you even watch the guy? He has a mid-range game that is absolutely deadly. He averaged almost seven assists per game last year. Like, what are we doing here? He is a two-time All-Star, literally based on the strength of his of his numbers just being too good to include somebody else over him. They never want to put him in the All-Star game. They always want to put, like, Andre Drummond in instead. But every year he comes out and he's putting up, like I said, like 20, 12, and five assists. And you just can't deny those kind of numbers. Him and Fox are going to be great together. Like Fox slashing to the basket. So bonus is just going to murder everyone on the boards, get all those putbacks, open up space in the lane. It's 
it's going to work. It's going to work pretty well. You saw it in the first game. The very yeah. first game, he's, you know, able to operate and, and pass out of the high post. He's behind, you know, the three-point line, watching guys cut, get around pin downs, and is able to make the accurate passes to score. His impact is already there, and a lot of those Kings players are going to be shocked at how many more open opportunities at the hoop they have just because Sabonis is a good passer. Um, Ooh, he's, I, great. he's a great seal-out player, too. I want to say that. Sabonis does great work in the post, sealing out defenders to get his guys layups. I, that's an underrated skill. I, I also saw that uh, uh, his face is an elbow magnet. Apparently, it takes a lot of <laughs> elbows to the face. <laughs> I have not exactly noticed that, but uh, apparently his face is an elbow magnet. I thought that that was pretty funny. That's uh, Mark Schindler um, of many different uh, Pacers sites who had that. Shout out to Mark. Um, so, yeah, and you know, I, I was one of the people that was like, Tyvee's Halliburton, how on earth? I think the vitriol from that is because we're not used to the Kings making good draft picks. So when they finally make one and then they trade him away, you're like, Oh, what the heck? Mm. Now we have to wait another six years for the Kings to make a decent draft pick. Um, that, that may have had something to do with, I think he's also just like an NBA Twitter darling type of player. Um, Joe Ingles used to be that like everyone loved Joe Ingles because he was like the perfect three and D type of guy. And if you didn't think that Joe Ingles was good, you know, then you were a dumb NBA fan. Tyrese Halliburton kind of wedged his way in it as that new role um, type of, uh, you know, NBA Twitter darling player. He's very good. And the Pacers might be the, you know, the secret winners at the deadline for getting Halliburton and all these draft picks uh, and other assets that they could easily keep flipping. Um, they didn't move Buddy Heald like some people thought, but, you know, they kept Miles Turner. So, I mean, overall, I thought the Pacers did, you know, did super well, but you're right. The, the just backwards mentality of why do the Kings do this is just absurd. They got the best player in the deal. And, you know, if they make the play in, I don't really think that counts as making the playoffs, but um, I think you have to actually make the playoffs and not the play in to, you know, for it to count, but um, we'll see what they do. Um, guys, I, any other thoughts before we move on from the Marvin Bagley, obviously the gigantic Marvin Bagley trade. <laughs> My last thing would be, I'm really excited to see, that second unit with Bagley, Hamadou Diallo, and Killian Hayes there to throw some lobs, uh, as well as Kelly Olenek. I, I actually think that, you know, the second unit has been, I mean, it's been brutal over the last couple of weeks, to be honest. They've just been getting killed. And, you know, that's, it's hard to put all the blame on one guy, but a lot of that has been because Kelly Olenek has not been very good. Um, I think now that you have two really athletic players in Diallo and Marvin Bagley, it's even more put up or shut up time for Killian Hayes. Like these are two players that hypothetically should work with his skill set, along with Kelly Olenek, who's another really good passer and a three point threat. Um, so I expect bigger and better things from this Pistons second unit. That is for sure. Aaron, how much are you willing to, uh, you know, invest into Marvin Bagley as a, you know, a core piece for this team moving forward? I think that really just depends on how he plays over the rest of this season. I don't know if you can call him a core piece as of now. I mean, he hasn't had a ton of success. I know he's playing better as of late. Um, 
but I don't, I don't think you can, can look at this trade and say, Hey, we know we just got a core piece. I think you got a guy that is probably out of all of the additions that you've made, like in terms of similar style moves, the Josh Jackson, the Hamdu Diallo type trades. Um, this is probably a guy that has the most upside out of that group, but I would not say right now he's for sure one of the guys that you're building this team around. Right. But I, I think, you know, the, the rest of the year would give you a much better idea of that and how he fits. So probably not somebody worth investing in right right now. You know, just want to see how he plays first. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of, you know, investing, what I'm about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing too. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. And now you can invest like the goat with Masterworks, which is our new sponsor for this week. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you sh- that lets you buy shares, representing an investment in art, from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. Art prices actually outpaced the S and P 500 by 164 percent from 92 to 2021. It's pretty sad that like 85% of the people in our Pistons chat weren't even, uh, you know, sniffing 1992 in terms of being born, but that's neither here nor there. In fact, early investors already received over 30% internal rate of return in 2020 and 2021 from the sale of just two paintings. And this is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like the GOAT. Plus, you can get priority access with our game day promo. Go to masterworks.com art slash believe that's masterworks.art slash believe uh, to go on over and get your priority access with our game day promo. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. New sponsor. Did you like the investment, uh, you know, tagline went, went, went right in. You talked a little bit longer than I thought. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. (laughs) You, You do it better than anyone else. That's why you're here, Mike. You are here. Simply because you can can segue in, read them, and segue out of, of ad reads better than anyone I know. That's right. And because when uh, the Pistons and Cavaliers have inevitably face off in the Eastern Conference Finals in a couple of years, uh, we'll have somebody to get angry at the pop at on the podcast and uh, you know kick you off. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will That's be happy fine. if that happens because the two teams that uh, that I am invested in, one of them is going to go to the NBA finals. Well, there you go. So okay. I, that is, that's a, that's a very good chance of going we'll see, to see. There we uh, go. That's, that's an investment with nothing to lose. I think we've got a right. new goat in town. Yeah. The problem is that I decided to invest in Detroit sports, which maybe, <laughs> maybe I could go back to school and learn about <laughs> like, like what the kind only, of investments to make. The only worst investment you could make is an investment in Cleveland sports. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because the Cavaliers have rocketed from the, laughing stock team of Cleveland to the team in Cleveland with the only good chance of going in into the playoffs and winning a game. Uh, they have uh, completely gone from the bottom to the top. Uh, poor Browns. Actually not, not really the Browns. I mean, I still saw people on my timeline talk about Baker Mayfield in the middle of the NBA trading deadline. I just, uh, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Browns fans are infatuated with sadness and in, any way that they can keep up the sadness, they will do it. Well, there's some Pistons fans that, uh, I don't know, maybe don't seem sad, but seem pretty upset because they, the, the Pistons held on to Jeremy Grant. Like They did. And, you know, I 
think we were all bracing for something like this. I think there was a healthy majority of Pistons fans who were ready to see him get traded, especially after he shot, I think, like five for 16 against Dallas, and the Pistons got absolutely taken to the woodshed. Um, and they had kind of seen enough. And I will admit, some of those mid-range jumpers, I was kind of ready to not see any more of that either. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, Aaron's bold prediction well before the deadline came came true. Um, so the Pistons did not trade Jeremy Grant at the deadline. Portland, Sacramento, Washington showed a lot of interest. Uh, Washington being the most interesting. They, they may have been interested. And then when the Pistons said, no, we don't want KCP and scraps, uh, while Aaron may have accepted KCP and scraps because of his love for pay Contavious Caldwell Pope, uh, Washington obviously pivoted and then actually, I think, hosed the Mavericks um, big time. Portland oh, yeah. and Sacramento obvi- uh, also very interested in Jeremy Grant, and that's not to say that those teams won't explore that possibility in the offseason either. Um, the Pistons were reportedly asking for two first-round draft picks or an equivalent young player in return for Jeremy Grant. And as I believe Sham Sharani of The Athletic noted, the Pistons and Grant were both very comfortable remaining together. I'm picturing like on a big fluffy couch headed into the offseason where a trade or a, or a, or a four-year extension uh, will be discussed later. And I think any team that was going to be trading for Jeremy was going to be handing him that four-year $112 million extension. So, um, guys, Jeremy Grant didn't get traded. He's still on the team. There's been a lot of back and forth on he doesn't want to get traded to he would welcome a move to whatever team wants to trade for him needs to understand that he wants to be the primary option. And that, you know, I don't know how true that is or how much value, you know, was being put into that. Um, Aaron, you were the, you were the first to really say, Hey, 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 slow down everybody. Before we trade Jeremy Grant for uh, Cam Reddish and Boyan Bogdanovich, um, we might keep him. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts uh, in the Pistons keeping Grant? at the deadline i'm certainly not surprised by it uh grant has a lot of fans inside detroit's front office i know there was the discussions about aren't wanting to move on from grant and this and that but it's not just troy weaver that likes what jeremy grant brings to the table he has a lot of fans throughout the pistons franchise and he is still a valuable player I think it's funny the dichotomy on twitter is jeremy grant's awful but then there's the expectation that you're going to get someone like Portland's best asset in Anthony Simons, or, you know, you're going to get these other teams, top picks or top young players. Uh, but Jeremy Grant is a bad player and doesn't help the Pistons and this or that. Uh, it just really doesn't make sense. Um, and, and again, you know, just to go back to it, I'm not surprised by, by the Pistons at keeping Grant. He provides value to them. Uh, it's important to have good veterans on the court, not just guys that maybe are good vets in the locker room, but don't really provide any value on the court. And that's not the case with Grant. Uh, he is still a valuable player. I know that he's had a, not a great year, um, but I certainly think that something like being in trade talks is something that it can affect your play. And it's not like the Pistons have a ton of talent around him. Uh, it, it's going to be take time for Grant and guys like Kate Cunningham and Sadiq Bay all to figure out how to mesh together. And the Pistons simply just, have not been healthy enough this season to really be able to allow for that to happen. Um, the other thing is Detroit still can move Grant. Uh, they can trade him in the off season. You know, it's a, it's a player that could be moved on draft day. Um, 
he's going to always have suitors. So I'm not that concerned that the Pistons didn't trade Grant. I, I again, was someone that was like, unless you're going to get a, 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 that, that big offer, which for Detroit, I guess was two first round draft picks or a young piece in a pick that was equivalent. Um, they weren't going to make that move unless, you know, you got that type of offer, then I guess, you know, if that's the direction you want to go make that trade, but I'm not surprised that the Pistons kept Grant. I think it was ultimately the right move, especially if they weren't getting the type of offers that uh, they were hoping for. And uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's still, you know, 30 or whatever games left this year for, for him and, and Kate Cunningham and Bay to try to figure things out. If, if Kate Cunningham could get back out on the court uh, with this right hit pointer issue. Yeah, Aaron, I'm with you. Like I would, I was somebody who said I wanted them to make a Jeremy Grant trade, but only if the price was right. And clearly the price wasn't right for, for Troy Weaver. They weren't getting back what they wanted. You weren't going to get Simons from Portland and Nas Little and a first round pick doesn't cut it. So like the, the two picks from the nets that doesn't cut it. Um, so I, I thought that, yeah, it was the right move. If the trade packages weren't there, then why would you move on from a player that's still obviously has a lot of suitors a lot of teams that are interested will still have a lot of value next year as an expiring contract and a wing player which everybody needs come playoffs everybody can use a jeremy grant type on their team and they will still need a jeremy grant type next season um so it's not like the trade market's gonna dry up for him and i saw a lot of people also saying oh well this is the highest his trade value is ever going to be I could not disagree more. I think it's actually probably the lowest his trade value is ever going to be uh, because he's not playing well. This is the worst he's played in several, several seasons. So look, if he can get some consistency going into the end of the season or get some consistency going into next season when the Pistons hopefully have a more complete roster, when they hopefully have some continuity with Kate Cunningham, uh, as their starting point guard and Jeremy Grant as their starting power forward. Um, you know, the hope I think is you say, if it works and we're good, then we'll hold on to Jeremy Grant. And if it doesn't work, well then fine, we'll move on. And there's still going to be teams that are going to want a borderline elite help side defender who can cut, who can dunk, who can switch essentially like, three through five, but can reasonably stay ahead of ones and twos on defense. Um, yeah, there's no reason. Like you can even give him the extension. If you're going to be taking large steps forward as a franchise and he's going to be a big part of that, I don't really have an issue with it. So Aaron, you were ahead of the rest of us on this one. Um, and I think your reasoning was correct. And I think ultimately that was the same reasoning that the Pristons front office had. So uh, kudos to you and look I'd rather like I said have the guy be on the team if the trade packages aren't right then trade him just for the sake of trading that doesn't make sense absolutely and you know Aaron actually swayed my thinking I was all in favor of okay get rid of him Cade's obviously the next coming Jeremy's not going to be the, the you know the primary option next year um, is it possible that Jeremy Grant was just exceeding expectations last year. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers here. You know, the Pistons were plus four uh, when he was on the court. They're minus one now. Is it possible he just kind of outplayed his own expectations and what our expectations were last year? 
But even if he did, that's fine because you're not, a team that's trading for Jeremy Grant is not going to be expecting him to be, I should not be expecting him to be playing a one role on offense. He should not be, he's Absolutely. going to be the third option on any contending team. Like at best, he's the third option. At best, and we've yeah. seen him in that role before for the Denver Nuggets. And he was fantastic. That's why he got the $20 million from Detroit. And it's why Denver also wanted to pay him $20 million a year for the exact same role. So people saying like, oh, he's not worth that. I completely disagree. And guess what? Multiple teams in the league also disagree with that. So yeah, he will have at that price point suitors next season. He has to because he already did. And one other thing. I'm sorry, go ahead, Aaron. Whether Grant, you know, wants it to be that way or not. And I think that his Grant wants to be the top option stuff that we've seen reported is certainly overblown um, because that's not the type of uh, talk that we've heard from the Pistons whatsoever. And Jeremy Grant hasn't given off that sort of, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, vibe so far. I mean, he certainly takes the most shots on the team when he's out there, but it's not him coming out and saying like, yeah, I'm the number one option. I need to be getting all these sets run for me. Nothing like that. Um, But whether he, desires it to be this way or not but once Cade Cunningham gets healthy and and especially next year when Cade Cunningham is going into his second season and the Pistons have another top pick entering the fold it's not going to be as clear-cut of Jeremy Grant being the number one option you know Cade Cunningham is going to be the number one guy and it might already end up being that once he comes back uh this this year but he certainly will be next year no matter if Jeremy Grant's on the roster or not Um, so Mm -hmm. that's something that's going to, I think, make Jeremy Grant a little bit better overall is he's not going to have all that pressure of being the number one guy. And the unfortunate thing for him this year is he hasn't really had that opportunity to share the floor with a guy that can also be the number one option. A guy like Kate Cunningham can be that you add in someone like Paolo Bencaro or Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith. Those guys are all going to take shots. They're all going to take possessions and, you know, that's, that's important to note too. Like Jeremy Grant's role is going to diminish offensively a little bit as time goes on, which should allow him to be maximized on the other side of the floor and maximize what he really is best at on the offensive side. Yeah. Aaron, you know what? It's like, uh, you know, Jeremy Grant might want to be the number one offense offensive option for the Pistons, but in the words of Omar little from the wire, the game is the game. And in the words of Marlo from the wire, you want it to be one way, but it's not. It's another way. And the way it is, is that Cade Cunningham is the star of this team. Whoever they draft, if it's a top three pick, that guy will be one of the stars of this team. And Jeremy Grant yep. simply isn't going to be the primary option. So, frankly, I like the guy, and I do think those reports are overblown. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter if he wants to be the first option or he doesn't, because he's not going to be. So. I was just looking to see the lineups with Grant and Cade Cunningham in at the same time. And Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, Sadiq, Grant, and Isaiah Stewart, that lineup has played 473 possessions together. Their point differential is minus 17. Ouch. I don't know particularly why exactly. I would guess, Mike, it's probably because a lot of those minutes came right at the beginning 
of when Kate came back because Jeremy and I Kate haven't played so very too. much together. And, yeah, and the Pistons were why, truly horrible. That's why I searched it because I don't remember them playing a whole lot. It, it had to be at the beginning when Cade didn't quite have his feet underneath him. Mm-hmm. The second lineup with Grant and Cunningham was is Corey Joseph, Cade, Sadiq, Jeremy, and, and uh, Isaiah Stewart. That, that was 123 possessions at minus 14 um, point differential. Yikes. So, I mean, it takes a little while to get to a positive one. The first positive lineup is Killian, Cade, Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, and Trey Lyles at the five, I assume because of the stretchiness. They're a plus 10 uh, in 44 possessions. So the sample size is just not there. We basically um, we just need to see them on the court together. I mean, Cade and Jeremy Grant make sense. We, I mean, we talked about – having Grant as a small ball five just to get some offense going. Um, so he's not traded. I wouldn't be surprised if he was even held into the trade or I'm sorry, into the draft, um, depending on how he plays to finish the year out. He has not played that well this year. All of his numbers are noticeably uh, worse, particularly the offensive numbers. I think the defensive numbers are still okay. Um yeah, they are still pretty good. Um, the offensive numbers are, are not good. Uh, his points per possession when he's on the floor is not. It's just it's just not good. Um, it's a it's a byproduct of the team really being like trash too. But uh, I would not be surprised if they keep him past the draft. And some people had said, well, why would you keep him at all? Why not just trade him at the deadline? And, and Jasper, you're exactly right. Why would you trade him now? His value can really only get better. He, I mean, there's no team that was going to give up two first-round picks for Jeremy Grant. At this current stage, with him playing the way he's playing, dealt with an injury, the shot does not look quite there. The isolation numbers are noticeably worse than last year. No one was going to give you two first-round picks. And if they were, well, they might be the Sacramento Kings or the Knicks, just like some team that obviously incredibly desperate. Um, Guys, do you feel kind of the same way? I mean, do you think this is going to just drag out past the draft as well into next year at the deadline? I mean, they, like I said, they could make, they could deal him in the summer. You know, they, they could trade him at the draft. I think that's what, was talked about, you know, after the deadline passed, James Edward talked about it. Uh, James Edward III talked about it in his piece on The Athletic, but that's something that Detroit could do then. But I just – I don't think Detroit should be in a rush to move him. And, and I think that this these this core group of guys deserves that opportunity to continue to, to see what they can do together because they really have not had that opportunity. So uh, take the small sample size at the beginning of the year with Kate getting his legs under him, Sadiq in his shooting slump. Uh, I, I just think that they, they deserve a, a, a better opportunity and a little bit more time. Yeah, same. I, for me, I, I honestly have no clue. Like, it, I think it, a lot of it depends where the Pistons fall in the draft. Um, I think a lot of it depends on how Jeremy looks with Cade coming back uh, from this hit pointer injury. Like you said about, like, just running through the possessions, there just isn't enough of a sample size to really figure out you know, what this team could slash should look like with Jeremy and Cade and 
Killian and, uh, and all those different guys for, for the Pistons right now. Um, and especially when Marvin Bagley is in the rotation as well, you know, there's a chance that's going to affect things too. So um, what, yeah, what about, I, I will say this, ab- if he's with them past the trade past, uh, you know, leading up to the next year's trade deadline, you know, I, I think you have to extend him at that point. Um, you can't let him walk away for nothing. Oh, oh no, no, no. I'd rather yeah, keep they would, him. They would, they would I'd rather him, keep yeah. him going into like his age thirty-one, age thirty-two season on a similar value deal, uh, because I do think his game will age fine going into his early thirties. Um, but yeah, you can't let him walk. And you obviously pick best player available in the draft. You're not. You don't oh, care yeah. about if you have the number one overall pick. You're not making any sacrifices because of uh, of uh, positional overlap. Hell no. Of course not. The Cavs are a good example of why you shouldn't uh, care at all about position overlap. It'll it'll work fine. Okay, guys, uh, that was uh, the Jeremy Grant talk. I was prepping for a trade. I was going through all my notes uh, in my head in the middle of the work shift, trying to get ready to mentally prepare the questions and things. And I even started to draft up the article for Pallets of Pistons of um, – report Jeremy Grant traded to blank or the Pistons trade Jeremy Grant to, and then I was just gonna leave it blank. Um, Mike, of course you, you, you tried your best and you failed. The lesson is I, never try. That's, that's an excellent point. Um, <laughs> never try. I, I was doing well at that. I was like, I'm going to get ahead. Um, I pumped out the Marvin Bagley trade and it, and of course my internet just failed me. <laughs> Um, failed me. If only I had a VPN. And I hear people say that VPNs have a reputation for slowing down your internet, but not with our sponsor, NordVPN, because it's the fastest VPN in the world. I don't have to sacrifice internet speed for better security. And with NordVPN, my internet traffic is routed through a secure encrypted tunnel, which protects my data and privacy. I can also have NordVPN on up to six devices, laptops, phones, smart TVs, iPads, even your router. So all of the devices are protected. It's equivalent to buying a a cup of coffee every month, a small price to pay for premium cybersecurity and access to vast amounts of entertaining content. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee of NordVPN is not for you, so there is no risk. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, or use the code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month free. So if you're looking for premium security while maintaining high internet speeds, make sure to check out today's sponsor, NordVPN. Again, that's Nord, I'm sorry, that's, uh, yes, NordVPN.com slash BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, or use the code BLEAV for up to 70% off your VPN plan, plus one additional month for free. Guys, other things happened besides the Marvin Bagley trade. As crazy as that may sound, other teams made moves. Yeah, let's run through these smaller trades. Yes, yeah. let's let's start with the smallest trade. Um, the Brooklyn Nets traded James Harden to the Philadelphia 76ers for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond. There we go, Pistons, and two first-round picks. Uh, that is according to, I believe, Sham Sharani had it first, but um, – ESPN's oh, he Adrian, Adrian Wojnarowski also had it. Shams, Mike, he was I put. He, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say Shams was beating Woj's 
ass all day up and down the court. I, I put that in the group chat. I, it got it got glazed over. Shams came out of nowhere and was all over Woj's the whole time. Um, impressive work. But regardless, the Nets traded James Harden to the 76ers for Ben Simmons and maybe one of the worst kept secrets in the last three days. Um, it just kind of depending on what pieces we're going to be going with Ben we now know that's Seth Curry and Andre Drummond and two first round picks, which I'm surprised the Nets did not uh, reroute uh, to add another piece. I really thought for a moment that those two picks were coming to Detroit um, since that was the asking price for Jeremy Grant. Um, guys, that's a, that's a mega blockbuster trade. And personally, uh, I feel like both teams get better. They fill particular needs i mean Kyrie irving getting vaccinated makes this a huge win for the brooklyn nets but even without that happening uh, and only having half of a Kyrie irving ben simmons is still i think a very good fit with the brooklyn nets the defense the playmaking you have kevin durant uh, you get seth curry which is huge uh, you get a good backup big and andre drummond and then two more first round picks that you could use in the offseason to retool and add something else. Um, so I think the Mets did really well. And, you know, the Sixers, they get a pick and roll partner with Joel Embiid. That sounds like a burning hellscape to try and guard. Um, Joel Embiid is having an MVP type season. Um, and you add James Harden in there while aging and dealing with a hamstring injury. Um, still a very capable player. Um, a very good player, maybe the best isolation score ever. So, um, you know, to me, um, this is a trade that helped both sides. One of the rare trades where superstars are swapped and both teams, I think, are for the better. I agree. I saw Twitter reacting in kind of all three ways. I saw some people agree with me when I tweeted. I thought that trade helped both teams. I yeah. saw they're saying the Nets won it. I saw they're saying the Sixers won it. I'm on firm belief that both sides got better from that deal. Ben Simmons wasn't going to suit up for the Sixers. So the Sixers ended up getting one of the best players in the NBA when he's locked in and playing. And I, I just, I'm, I, I think they should be elated about that. And they did it without having to give up Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Thibel. And I think that's a big deal too, because Maxey probably is your starter, you know, starting guard alongside Harden and Thibel probably is your starting wing or he's a key reserve piece uh it, with that group so you know yeah they lost a shooter in Seth Curry but they're not gonna cry over over having to give up Andre Drummond like they have the best center in the league they can sacrifice a little bit of depth uh, behind him to go get James Harden to get a, a, a maybe not MVP caliber player anymore but still an all-star level player a star level player uh when he's healthy and playing and it's a great move for them and for Brooklyn you know, they get a guy in Ben Simmons who when he suits up is probably going to fit pretty damn well in Brooklyn. Uh, they're going to need his defensive intensity. You know, he's a guy that can finish under the rim. Uh, when Katie's isolating, he's a guy that, you know, can distribute the basketball, uh, draw people off of shooters like Seth Curry, like Kevin Durant, like Patty Mills. Like it, it, it should really help them on both sides of the floor. Uh, they get some, some necessary depth in Andre Drummond and, and Seth Curry's a great shooter as well. So uh, I think that was just an excellent, excellent deal for both sides. I don't think really either side, uh, lost that trade yeah I agree I mean look hey the the 76ers got James Harden former MVP um 
you know, they traded away a bunch of role players and a guy who wasn't going to play for them anymore. And then you look at the Nets and they go out there and they acquire, you know, a, a former all-star, um, all NBA player, a guy who has received defensive player of the year votes before um, one of the most, you know, the, the best passing big men in the game, somebody who moves with surprising grace and fluidity for a, a player that's six foot 10. Um, but enough about Andre Drummond. They also got Ben Simmons and that was pretty good. Too. <laughs> this guy, I tell you, <laughs> that was I couldn't like a help family myself. guy. That was like a family guy level setup where it took like eight minutes to get to the joke. And then the joke <laughs> happens and we're all like, Oh, uh, I could not help myself. Uh, no, I, I agree with you, Aaron. I do think this was one of those, those trades where both teams definitely got better. Uh, the reason, you know, the Nets get those two first round picks is because the Sixers wouldn't give up Maxi or Thibel. And look, if I'm the Sixers, that was the right move. I'll give up a, you know, 2022 first rounder and a heavily protected first that's probably going to turn into a couple of seconds in a few years. Um, I will absolutely positively take that if I am the Nets. And I'll also take it if I'm the 76ers. Um, one of those rare superstar trades where both teams get better. Because usually when it happens, one team has having to offload their disgruntled superstar um, for lesser pieces like Carmelo Anthony is, is a good example of that when he was traded from the Nuggets. And this is one of those rare cases where both teams had a disgruntled superstar they had to offload. So it actually worked out. And I have to say, it was fun to rip on him, but Daryl Morey vindicated at last. He, he held on to Ben Simmons saying he wanted a superstar in return, and he got that superstar. So you have to say credit to him. And Ben Simmons also got a trade to a team that he wanted it to. So, you know, it was fun to, fun to mess with both of them, but ultimately it actually worked out for both sides. It did, yeah. And, you know, Aaron talked about Ben impacting the defensive side of things. And the Nets' defense is not good. It's not good. It's 22nd in the league in points per possession, um, 27th in turnover percentage, 26th in offensive rebounding. But you know, who, you know who's really good at all of the, at forcing turnovers in offensive rebounding? Andre Drummond, who's probably going to be their starting center now, right? Like he should be. Um, he's hmm. still he's still the best offensive rebounder in the NBA. He is playing well. I mean, he played well in limited time behind Joel Embiid he did I mean he, and, he um, leads he currently leads the league in rebounding percentage he also is second in the league in offensive rebounding percentage I mean he's putting up he's actually having his best rebounding season you know by per the minute um of his entire career so I genuinely he's a guy that kind of falls under the radar in this trade I do think this is a great situation for him and he's a much more consistent option than like Nick Claxton has been for them this season. So I thought it worked for multiple reasons, not just because um, I got Simmons. What, what is the pain uh, level at if uh, Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, and Andre Drummond win a ring with the Brooklyn Nets? It won't be because it won't be because of two of them. I mean, Drummond can impact that, but it won't be because two, two thirds of them are not going to play a factor in them winning that title. So does it, does it matter? I mean, you don't I don't think, think... that was <laughs> that was my question for you. <laughs> Does 
does it doesn't matter. Um, I don't think it does because no. I don't think Bruce Brown and I don't think Blake Griffin are going to be in the in the playoff rotation. Oh no, they're going to need to throw Bruce Brown out there as like a small ball five at some point during the, like the Eastern Conference semifinals. Just you wait, just you wait, Aaron. I don't even know. Has he has he been playing for them? Like I, I've watched yeah, a handful in that. Oh, team. oh yeah. He plays. Yeah. He's a, he's an important part of that other, other team. I do. When they're healthy, is he playing? If they need somebody to be like a weird small ball five, they will do. They did against the bucks last year. I I couldn't see them doing it again this year. Why not? Yeah. He's a good defender for, you know, especially at his size. And if they need some rebounding out there, you know, they can't necessarily rely on Drummond all the time. I definitely think he could get some playing time for them. He is averaging 19 minutes a game. Yeah. He's, he's going to get some run for him. Um, but yeah, still, no, it wouldn't hurt. I, I love to see, I would love to see Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond all win titles. Um, that, that would be nice. Um, also forgot about Paul Millsap. He's no. also in this trade. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, sure. Forgot about that. Um, so uh, moving on to the next big trade that this actually, actually came out of nowhere. We all kind of suspected, yeah, there's too much smoke for there to not be fire for Harden and, and Ben Simmons. But the Mavericks traded Chris Dapps Porzingis to the Washington Wizards for a package centered around Spencer Dinwiddie. And we would come to learn that it would also include Davis Bertans. And the Mavericks would also send out, I believe, a second round draft pick to the Washington Wizards. Um actually came out of nowhere. I, I was not expecting that. We heard a little bit about Dinwiddie being on the outs with Washington. The Wizards already traded Montrezl Harrell. They already traded Aaron Holiday. They were really looking like they were just going to dump the dump the team and start over with deal. Both Washington and Portland are both on this. Uh, every year they they like play well for a little bit or, or do something interesting in the offseason to build around their big star. Uh, in this case, Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal. And then every deadline, it's always like, well, what are they going to do? Is Beal going to ask out? Is Dame going to ask out? Every year, for the last, like, three years, I feel. Um, the Wizards have actually leaned into it a little bit more. They immediately um, moved on from Spencer Dinwiddie. They get Chris Dapps Porzingis. And I initially thought, what in the heck are the Washington Wizards doing? And then I thought about it more and saw that Davis Bertans is in the trade and thought, that is a very good trade by the Washington Wizards. Even if Chris Epps Porzingis does not play the rest of the season, which they should not, let his knee rest the entire time, come back 100% with Beal. Um, they offloaded two horrific contracts in Spencer Dinwiddie and Bertans for one horrendous contract in Chris Epps Porzingis. Well, Guys, I mean, what, what do we think about this trade? I disagree that that's a horrible contract for Porzingis. I think Porzingis is still a good player. He's like Tim Legler said, he's called the unicorn because you almost never see him. But like <laughs> he, Tim Legler, yeah. I don't see him too often in Twitter videos. When I do, I feel like he's blasting somebody through concrete. Oh, I love Tim Legler. Him, him, and uh, Candace Parker and JJ Redick, all three of my favorite NBA personalities. I will JJ say, JJ Redick can put Stephen A. Smith into retirement quickly. He's, I don't know gonna, why Stephen A. keeps bringing him on the show. He's going to put him in a there, casket like the. He's going to put him in a casket like the Undertaker, man. That's what he's going to do. Uh, no, I thought this was a great trade from Washington's perspective. They, like you said, they unlo- they offloaded 
two deals that they didn't want to hold on to. Kickstarts the rebuilding process already. This wasn't working. Uh, they got Beal out for the rest of the season. You go in, you go, all right, we're going to go get our good draft pick. We're going to come back next year with a new draft pick, new signings. We're going to have money. We're going to have Kristaps. We're going to have Bradley Beal, probably, maybe, possibly. Um, and for me, though, I look at the Dallas Mavericks and I am blown away. This is yeah. a nonsensical deal from my perspective. Um, this makes it harder for them to re-sign Jalen Brunson, especially now that they just re-signed Dorian or extended, excuse me, Dorian Finney-Smith with a four-year $52 million deal. Uh, I understand that they needed another ball handler outside of Luca and Brunson, but dude, I mean, Dinwiddie has been horrible this year. He's shooting 37% from the floor. He's been awful. And he was obviously, I don't know what the issue was in that locker room in Washington, but he was part of the problem there. Um, I just do not understand this. They got worse and they potentially hamstrung themselves moving forward with Jalen Brunson. Uh, as a Pistons fan, I like it because it actually makes it easier for the Pistons to go after Brunson in the offseason. Yes, uh, but when I look at this from the Mavericks perspective, uh, I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, did Luca say I need this guy gone about Kristaps? Because that's, that's the only thing that makes sense. To that, me. That's the only thing that I could possibly get out of it as well. Is that they were just appeasing Luka Doncic, which yeah, Aaron, if that's the case, fine. Yeah, Aaron, what do you think about this? Because I'm wondering if you have a different perspective on it. Because for me, it doesn't make sense. So I do have a different perspective on it. Uh, I actually don't mind it for Dallas. I think getting rid of Porzingis was getting rid of something that you needed to do. Like he just wasn't helping them. Uh, it was, it's I, the path. The problem was he wasn't on the court. He, he was never on the court. And the hope is that Spencer Dinwiddie can come in and I feel like he's probably going to play with the second unit. I don't think he should start over Brunson, but it gives you a guy that can handle the basketball when Luka Doncic isn't on the court, can initiate the offense, can be a scoring threat. Um, the fit in Washington wasn't there for him. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't great, but he has a track record of playing good basketball. Um, so you, the hope is that he turns it around. I don't think his contract is terrible because I think he can be a productive basketball player. I'm not so sure about Bertans, but – shoot if you could get him to just come back and shoot the ball I mean that would be a huge huge help for Luka Doncic just to have that extra shooting around him is so so important so I think they just needed to rid themselves of Porzingis and you know maybe he goes to Washington and he gets healthy and uh, he figures it out but from Dallas's perspective I think it was shedding you know dead skin that you didn't need and you're you didn't get great great players back but You've got to hope that Dinwiddie can just be a ball handler when Luca's not on the court. Obviously, they want to start Jalen Brunson. They want to play him a lot of minutes because he's been playing very well and he plays pretty well with Luca on the court. Those two just both play well together. Um, so if you can have Dinwiddie running that second unit, he's a scoring threat. You know, he's a guy that could start some games for you if necessary. I just don't know if he's going to really need to with both Brunson and Doncic's uh, in your starting lineup. So I don't hate the trade. I don't think the Dinwiddie contract is as bad as something like the Bertans contract, but if Bertans can get healthy and, and space the floor for you, get you know somewhere back to the player he was at, earn that massive, massive payday, 
that would be a huge help. And it's certainly a gamble, but heck, they, they were paying Porzingis to not step on the court essentially. And they needed to, to, to try something else. So you weren't going to get amazing value for Porzingis. It was going to be a risky move. And I, I think there is some upside to the deal. Man, I just don't know, man. Like Bertans, I is completely washed. I have zero hope for Bertans. Uh, even if he's shooting well, defensively, he's such a liability. You can't play him. You can't even play him in the regular season anymore, to be honest, let alone the playoffs. Like, forget about it. Um, as for Dinwiddie, yeah, maybe he does rediscover some of his form. But even then, like, he has been – like, yeah, you say Porzingis hasn't been on the floor. Well, yeah, Porzingis not on the floor has been better than Dinwiddie on the floor this year. So He's, he's been pretty bad. He's been – awful he's been really 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 bad um and there's just no way around that so I guess for me I'd rather take the lot I mean you know take take scratch off the lottery ticket that is Porzingis will be healthy for the playoffs than bet on Bertans and uh and Dinwiddie in this season but hey who knows you know maybe it was just a fit thing with with Spencer um and, and now that he's in Dallas it'll be a better better situation. So, you know, who knows? You know, and one of the other problems with that trade to me is Spencer Dinwiddie needs the ball in his hands. I can't wait for him to bring the ball to the floor, look off Luka Doncic and just dribble out all the air in the, uh, in the basketball. He's, oh. he's a guy that needs the ball in his hands and he didn't like being on the floor when Bradley Beal would dominate possessions. Uh, bro, you are now with the, and I really hate this term, the most heliocentric player maybe in the entire league right now in Luka Doncic. And uh, you will have to play off the ball because they're not taking the ball out of his hands. Yeah, but I think you can play – I think the way you can stagger it is have him and Brunson really handle, you know, pretty much all the ball handling duties when Luka's not on the floor. For, yeah, that's what it's going to have to be. I mean, that's, you know, 14 minutes a game. So it's something, right? And, you know, and and I think you can trust Brunson especially to play off ball um, as well. So I don't know. I think you can make it work from a from a ball handling perspective. I mean, like let's not get it twisted. The Mavericks needed another ball handler. That yeah, was a need for did. them. Desperately. That's why I just think it was worth it. I just think it was worth. Get, you know, Porzingis wasn't playing for you, so it was worth it to just take a shot on something. And you know, if you get lucky and one of those guys can figure their games back out. It's an instant win for you because the fit just wasn't there with Porzingis for them between him meshing with Doncic and his health issues. So if you can get one of those guys to play well, I just, I think it was worth it for, for Dallas at this point. I mean, are, are they still the front runner to get Goran Dragic? I don't, I don't no. know. Are they now? No, I, no, I, no way. I, I, I heard, I heard nothing after that initial report uh, after Dragic was traded. I, I only saw that the Mavericks are the favorite and then nothing for now no. seven or eight hours. That would make no sense. They'd have a four, they, that would make no sense for them to go get Dragic now. Well, interestingly enough, the Heat were not listed as one of the teams that wanted Goran Dragic, which I think is hilarious. But um, yeah, I guess it makes no sense for them to be to be in that. I think Utah was on that list as well. Um, anyway, Whew, we got through the deadline. Um, unscathed, just one Marvin Bagley uh, scratch um, and nothing else really. Um, 
sad to see Trey Lyles go. I mean, I, I, I uh, just saw Tim Forkin on Twitter say he misses Trey Lyles already. So that must mean the Pistons are getting uh, boomed by the Memphis Grizzlies and not yes. shooting the ball well. You are correct. <laughs> oh, they are. They're, they're down. They are getting points. smoked. <laughs> Uh, they barely have cracked 30 points and we're almost at the end of the second quarter. So, so yeah. maybe the it's world ugly. Is, uh, continuing to heal. Let, suffice um, it to say, Mike, I took the under tonight. That was, um, that was a good job. Mm-hmm. Good job on, good job on your part. Um, last thing before we go, um, of course the Lakers did not make a trade. Actually, there were some really puzzling teams that didn't make a trade. The Bulls, the Hawks, the Lakers, the Knicks, they all stood still at uh, the deadline, maybe accepting their fates um, as teams that are either going to get healthy and be better later in the case of the Bulls or the Knicks, their team kind of sucks. And the Lakers admitted defeat with Russell Westbrook, not playing him at all um, yesterday against Portland, but uh, LeBron James and Kevin Durant drafted their teams for the all-star game. And uh, LeBron took Darius Garland. Just leave that in the ether and then run away coming home. And not He's coming home. It's very LeBron to go completely scorched earth, kill every asset on his team, and then leave. <laughs> he left true. the Cavs cover entirely empty with nothing left except the uh, shell of uh, the pick from the Celtics that turned into Colin Sexton, and then he bolted. So we'll just leave that into the E3. did pick Darius Garland um, as his reserve pick. So we'll leave that and uh, not talk about it anymore. We'll let all of the Twitter investigators do that. The same people who were tracking down Dan Gilbert's personal plane flying from uh, Cleveland to Miami in that one summer. Guys, any other thoughts um, on the deadline before we wrap up this extra long podcast? No, I mean, it was a good deadline. There were some good trades. I'm definitely interested to see Philadelphia and Brooklyn moving forward. I think everyone's kind of fixated on that and rightfully so that that was definitely a, a landscape shaking move. So excited to see how that plays out. I think everything else was, you know, nothing that was going to really change the league um, as teams just kind of jostle for position, but that trade definitely the most interesting. So excited to see how that plays out in the Eastern conference. Those two could potentially end up meeting each other's in the conference finals, which would just be, Oh, so perfect. Yeah. I threw a couple bucks on, uh, on the 76ers plus 1000 championship odds. Just putting it out there. That's all I got. All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining me once again. And thank you to our sponsors, Bet Online. As, as always, uh, you can head on over to their new site, sign up, use the promo code BELIEVE50 and get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We'd also like to thank Masterworks uh, as well. Go to masterworks.com, or I'm sorry, masterworks.art slash believe uh, to get started there. And then NordVPN as well using the code believe to get up to 70 percent off your nord vpn plan plus one additional month free so thank you and thank you to my co-hosts of course aaron johnson jasper apollonia this has been the latest episode of the palace of pistons podcast thank you so much for joining us we'll see you all next time Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.